As Nick said, it is Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his well. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Thank you very much, um, Bethany and Royston, for reading to us. Uh, we are set to look at the, the bold print section today. We've got as far as verse 11, so if you have the service sheet, uh, the bold print bit is the bit we're looking at. And let's just pray again before we uh, turn to God's word. We pray that prayer again. Heavenly Father, that we've already said together, light of the world, shine in the darkness. In the darkness of our minds, uh, the dark places of our hearts, we pray for the gracious light of your presence uh, from your word speaking to us, not just as truths on the page, but we pray it would have that sense of coming direct from you, Lord Jesus. Um, Warm our hearts with it as you Uh, Warm the hearts of the disciples on Easter Day. We pray for your light to shine for us. We ask it, Jesus, in your name. Amen. I've got a question uh, to set before us as we, we go get underway, and it's this. Can I be sure that God loves me? I don't know if it's a question you ever ask yourself. Can I be sure that God loves me? Because... Plenty of times in life there'll be situations that crop up that make me doubt that. And it's one thing to say when things are going fine, yeah, I'm pretty sure God loves me, but but what then? Will I be able to praise God then? Will I be able to look beyond 
the circumstances of life, which go up and down the whole time, to something more permanent, to his character. Well, that's the route that the psalm would take us on, uh, remembering God and all his benefits to us, and knowing whatever the circumstances, that I can praise him. And I can praise him because I know he loves me, because I know that he loved me, past tense. Um, That's my sort of strap line for today. He loves me because he loved me. I know he loves me because I know he loved me way back then. And I'll say more about that in a moment. But I have two points for us. And the first is this, that God's love anchored in the past is our first assurance. God's love anchored in the past. Let me read verses 11 and 12 to start with. He says this, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. That's the he loves me bit. His love is great like that now. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That's a sort of past tense language, isn't it? He's already removed our transgressions from us. So he thinks of the biggest distance imaginable, and it's not enough. From here to the stars, that is how God's love towers over us. Or outwards, from sunrise to sunset, It's almost like he's saying he's put our sins beyond one horizon and ourselves beyond the other, east and west. I can't do it in the right sort of uh, direction for you out there. It's hard enough for me to think about which is east and west like this. But he's removed our transgressions from us that far. No sense we don't pretend, no sense pretending we don't sin, we all do. Well, can God love people who sin? Answer yes. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. It is a physical impossibility to look east and west at the same time. And he's saying that when God sees us, when he sees us, he can't see our transgressions. Or you could put it the other way around. When he sees our transgressions, he cannot see us. They're removed from each other. And we can understand that even more clearly than David did, because we know in a way he couldn't possibly know that at the cross, God found a way to punish sin without punishing the people who committed that sin. He must deal with sin. He can't ignore it. But for those who fear him, in the language of the psalm, that punishment has already happened. All our sin, past, present, and future, Known and unknown, unintentional and deliberate even. All our sins have been punished when Jesus died on the cross. And God will not punish sin twice. If its penalty has been paid, then justice has been served. And it would actually be unjust for the penalty to be paid a second time. It is finished, just as Jesus cried out as he died. Finished, done. Well, what better news could there be if I fear God and if I fear facing sin's penalty? The people who are worried by their sin, in one sense, are just the people who don't need to worry. I mean, if I was 
careless and heedless about God and his judgment, then actually I'd do well to worry. Uh, Actually, the psalm implies that my sin hasn't been punished and I will still have to bear the consequences of it if if I don't fear God. But if I fear God, sin's sentence has already been served by Jesus. And I love the tense in verse 12. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. It's done. Past tense in history. There were some students once who were full of excitement. They were talking about how God was at work in their lives. One of them had seen a remarkable answer to prayer. Another one had just led a friend to Christ. Another one had given very full details of exactly how they got converted in a really dramatic fashion. And then they noticed somebody else sitting somewhere else in the room who hadn't said a word. No attention was drawn to them. Why weren't they speaking? Hadn't they got some testimony to, to God's work in their lives? Maybe they weren't a Christian at all. One of the others challenged them. You, when were you saved? Oh, they said, I was saved at three o'clock in the afternoon, the first Good Friday. Which may not sound impressive until you ponder that. How amazing that that was when God's love got to work for me today. He loves me because he loved me way back then. How good it is to be confident of this. I know he loves me today because he loved me then. He loves me today whatever I feel as much as he did the day that Jesus died for me. So that's the first point tonight. God's love anchored in history. And we need to let that sink in. We need to remind ourselves of it daily and just take it to heart and thank God for it. Then from God's love in history, this is amazing. The psalmist widens the lens even further to God's love in eternity. So my second heading is this. God's love guaranteed for all eternity. God's love anchored in history. God's love guaranteed for all eternity. Let me read verses 13 to 14 to start with. Verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. David says that God is like a father. Actually, Christians can say more than that. He is a father. It is our greatest privilege that he relates to us in that intimate way. Muslims, I'm told, have 99 names for God. Apparently there is a 100th name, but it's only known, legend has it, by the Bactrian camel, which is apparently why Bactrian camels look so superior. But no Muslim name of God comes close to Father. That is God's Christian name. And Father has compassion on us because he knows our frailty, he knows our feebleness as created beings better than we know it ourselves. Dust we are, and to dust we'll return. And that's what verses 15 and 16 make clear. Verse 15, the life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field, 
The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. Which are stark and gloomy words in one sense. If that was it, we would be filled with despair because our mortality makes such a mockery of our lives. I was telling some friends last week that we'd watched a new film on Netflix, Tick, Tick, Boom, directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, the guy who gave us the musical Hamilton. If you like musicals, it is definitely worth watching. I'm going to try and avoid any spoilers. Um, It's worth watching, not least for the little tribute to the composer Stephen Sondheim, who died on Friday. Now, I don't want to spoil the story, but the title, Tick, Tick, Boom, refers to that sensation that our lives are ticking down, a ticking time bomb, just counting down to a final explosion. And the film is set in 1990s New York, where the AIDS epidemic was the constant tick-tick-boom background music for lots and lots of people. It was a constant reminder of human mortality, whether you were gay or straight. Everyone knew someone who died of AIDS. I wonder if that reminds you of anything more recently. Well, of course it does. COVID has been like it. And I can look out and know that there are people here recently bereaved where COVID was not involved. We've had a a brush with death in the rectory this week with uh, one of my old bosses who died on Monday. Dust we are, and to dust we return. So we're, we're cut down in a second, says the Bible. However impressive we were in our pomp, we wither, wilt, and die. And the idea that that is the end is awful to us. One of my most tricky jobs in one sense uh, as a rector is to, to monitor what is put on gravestones as loved ones die and people will often try and immortalize their loved ones with their gravestones uh, I read once about a rough old Yorkshireman whose Christian wife had died and he requested a very simple epitaph for her tomb it was a prayer addressed to God she was thine But he was a bit horrified when he visited the grave to see that a letter was missing, and it said instead, she was thin. (laughs) Well, he phoned the stonemason, who was another local Yorkshireman, and he phoned in some dismay. You've made a mistake on my wife's gravestone. You've left off an E. Well, the mason agreed to make that simple change, and when the man visited the grave next time, it was there for all to read. E, she was thin. (laughs) I'm sorry to make a joke out of it. Uh, uh, it's a heavy topic, isn't it? Actually, the, the, the right way of putting it that he had in mind originally, she was thine, is exactly where the psalm is going to go. It's our confidence uh, when we face the grave that there is an eternal covenant that people can belong to God and go into the grave secure. I'm supposed, as I said, to check all the memorials carefully for mistakes, they do still sneak through, but a gravestone can never really memorialize us, not for more than a few generations at the most. Um, we're all about as long lasting, says the psalm, as a blade of grass. Its place remembers it no more. Really stark language, isn't it? Almost difficult to read it and, and say it if you think about it. Actually, this psalm is part of the authorised liturgy for funerals in the Church of England. 
or this bit of the psalm is. Maybe you think that's a bit cruel to have these words as we face the grave. Well, it's simply trying to face the fact of death squarely. What hope is there? Answer, none, but for the fact that God is an eternal father. And he's someone who lives outside time and can call us beyond time into eternity. We read on verse 17. This is the good news bit. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. Those who fear him and obey him and keep covenant with him will, in spite of their sin, find that he keeps covenant with them. It says it's his covenant, that unbreakable agreement made in eternity to choose and save and love and keep a people for all eternity. That is the kind of father he is, an eternal father. Notice, too, in passing, that there is a blessing passed down the generations as well. You see that in, where is it? Over the page, actually, on the service sheet. It's in verse 17. His righteousness with their children's children. I try to make myself say regularly in church life that... uh, My goal for the church here is that we should be the best local family church we can be. Uh, Well, I'm happy for that word family to to be as wide as we can make it in one sense. We are together a family in the household of God. And these promises apply for posterity as part of the family. I think talking like that reflects a biblical commitment that we declare the praiseworthy deeds of God to the next generation and the next and the next afterwards. That's how to have a really lasting legacy, populating as best we can heaven with the rising generation uh, of the people of God, our children's children, as he puts it here. That's the commitment of God to us in his covenant, that he has them in view as well as us. I wonder if you believe that and live that way. He'll take us and others through death to glory. Of course he will. On Advent Sunday, we are standing on rock-steady ground, on God's dependability that he keeps his promises. And if he's rescued me in the past, he's not going to lose me in the future. Ask yourself a question from the school playground. Which is easier, to make an enemy into a friend or to take a friend home with you? That's not a trick question. Which is easier? It's hard to make an enemy into a friend, isn't it? Hard to make an enemy into a friend. It's easy enough to take a friend home. Now, God has done the hard thing for you if you're a Christian. He's made an enemy into a friend through that rescue at the cross. Now, if he's done the hard thing, he'll manage the easy thing. He won't muck it up now on the easy bit. He'll take us home with him for eternity. 
So in just a few generations, we might be forgotten on earth, but we'll be as welcome as ever in heaven. He is our forever father. His eternal fatherhood means we can know that he loves us. So I started by saying that we know he loves us because he loved us. He loved us when Christ died for us on the cross. But actually, we ought to take it one step further back. He loved us then at the cross because he loved us before then, before time began. Well, it's one sense it's easy enough to, to have the information. What am I supposed to do with the information? I hope you know the answer to that question because it's come week by week as we've read the psalm, hasn't it? The psalm tells us, bless the Lord, O my soul. We're to praise God for it. Now we're going to sing in a moment, and Nick probably is going to introduce that song. I wonder if we could spend a bit of time quietly pondering, and then after a moment or two, if one or two people would be willing to praise God in brief sentences of praise. And you can be brief, but um, you've got to be... Audible. It'd be lovely if other people can hear your praise. So you're welcome to pop your mask off and uh, speak up clearly if you want to do that. Actually, the, the mask shouldn't deter us too much. But let's be encouraging each other to praise God this way. A moment of quiet just to collect our thoughts. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Now, if you feel able to say a word of praise, that would be an encouragement to us to do so as well. We thank you for hope for our world as well, Father, for our children's children. And we pray that you'd keep this note of praise 
sounding throughout our lives in good times and in tough times. Light of the world, we pray you would shine in the darkness. In Jesus' name, amen.